Today on the We Earn Media podcast, Jacqueline and I have Elizabeth O'Brien with us. Elizabeth is a senior personal finance writer at Barron's with a special focus on retirement. Ask her about Social Security and Medicare. (laughs) She has covered personal finance since the Great Recession of 2008. And before Barron's, she was a deputy editor of Money.com, formerly Money Magazine. There, she wrote a weekly newsletter, Retire With Money. Elizabeth lives in Brooklyn with her husband and two sons. In her spare time, she enjoys roller skating and reading fiction. Welcome to the Weird Media Podcast. Thanks, Britt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. With this episode, Jacqueline and I uh, wanted to go back to the original format of the podcast where we ask journalists to share a pitch with us that they were able to work with for a story. So before uh, we get into the pitch, which was sent by Kayleen Yates at bankrate.com, before we get into that and examine it, can you give us, Elizabeth, a brief overview of the article that was generated from it? Sure. I wrote this article um, in September, and it was on credit card interest rates hitting a 26-year peak. And um, it, you know, that sort of struck me in the pitch, um, which we'll discuss later. But the story was about, you know, credit card interest rates soaring at just the wrong time, right, as inflation is really heating up and consumers are turning to their credit cards more just to make ends meet. So to the extent that you have to carry a balance on your credit card, it's going to grow that much quicker because interest rates are climbing. And then um, and then the end portion of the story goes into some tips if you are juggling a balance, like opening a balance transfer card consider credit counseling and um, and tips like that. We have the pitch in front of us. Or you kindly sent it over to Jacqueline and I to read before we talked. So um, I do want to just kind of pick it apart for a second. I'm always curious to know um, what got you to open the email? What stood out to you about the subject line? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Let's see. Let me actually look at the subject. Let me, I can read it to you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. For our listeners too. So the subject said average credit card rate at highest in decades. And um, yeah, that's it. That's all it said. Okay. (laughs) Very Very straightforward. Yeah. What you write for Barron's. Yeah. And I mean, certainly that that caught my eye highest in in decades. So, um, and you know, bank rate is a trusted source. So I tend to open there. I tend to try to open their pitches generally. So even if the subject line didn't catch my eye so much, I'd probably at least open it. But this one was particularly eye-catching. Do you recall um, receiving pitches from Kayleen in particular before this one? Oh, sure. Uh, They send them out pretty regularly, uh, maybe even a couple times a week. So I do get frequent pitches. And I often, you know, I, I do use Bankrate as a source a lot. This might be the only pitch they sent that actually resulted in a story. So while they're a frequent source of mine, I think this is the one time that I said, oh my gosh, this is quite um, quite an impressive or quite a striking number that credit cards are at their highest rate since 1996. So um, that's what prompted me to do the story, which is relatively rare. Okay. That is... Wow. So in the pitch itself, too, we'll, we're going to have to ask Kayleen if we can publish it. So for now, I will briefly describe the pitch itself. Um, in it, she really is straight to the point. She talks about how their latest survey uh, shows that the average credit card rate is now 17.96%, which is the highest on record, as you said, since 1996. 
which is obviously, yeah, very eye-catching, especially as somebody who writes on this topic. And then she includes a link to um, the page or the survey itself that has the current interest rates on bankrate.com. They seem to update this, just a note to listeners, they seem to update this often. The last time it was updated was December published it says published december 14th 2022 so they update it very i think often. it's daily I, i'm daily. almost positive it's about daily or weekly yeah and it um because i used to work with somebody that worked at Bankrate, and it's it's a brilliant I, I really like what they do over at Bankrate. i agree they have a good reputation um for a reason but anyway mm-hmm. keep going yeah i noticed that and i was like that's cool i like that yeah because it doesn't it's evergreen right and it's always updated so even if you decide to write yeah. about this in the future, you can click through that and see that it's been updated um, very currently, or mm-hmm. probably, as you mentioned, daily, um, maybe even that day. Uh, but going back to the pitch, she then includes thoughts from Ted Rossman, mm-hmm. who's their senior industry analyst at Bankrate. And it's kind of like, I want to say, three paragraphs of commentary or quotes that she offered up to you. Um, and also included an offer to schedule an interview with Ted if he wanted to discuss the in interest rates further. Um, I thought that was uh, great to include. I know whenever I'm working with an expert, I always offer that up as well. Um, Elizabeth, did that also kind of, you know, inspire you or I guess encourage you to write about this, having that interview offered up? Um, yes, but I, I guess... Yeah, I mean, definitely, I I always like to get um, commentary, like color commentary. And I guess I assume that someone will be available for Bankrate to discuss. So even if that hadn't been in the pitch, I probably would have followed up on it and said, hey, do you have any experts? And I've talked to Ted in the past. Do you have any experts who can discuss? So I don't know that that was a um, deciding factor for me, because I guess I would have assumed that they would make someone available, even if that weren't included in the pitch. Um, but certainly it's nice to have. So it seems, though, that the commentary was useful mm-hmm. and you were able to use some of that in the story, too. I think, did I use it? Yeah, I think I might have followed up with him on the phone. I think we I, I think we might have had a phone chat to that expanded on the commentary. Um, and this also kind of reminds me, I'm totally pivoting, but um, another reason why we reached out to you, Elizabeth, was because you tweeted something that's mm-hmm. sort of relevant. It was about how... Definitely. Yeah. How, um, Very relevant. <laughs> yeah. How PRs... Um, well, I'll, let me just read the tweet itself, if you don't mind. Um, oh. Let's see. It was... PR people, if you pitch a source and I say yes, I will talk to that source about the very topic you pitched. Do not turn around and ask for my specific questions before even setting up the call. And <laughs> thank, you. thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, I think Jacqueline's saying thank you because um, our client. I, I feel very passionate about this. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, I, you have clients yeah, too, like, I do. Want questions. <laughs> want that. You yeah. never ask because for that reason, if you're an expert, you need to be ready to answer the questions. Exactly. Whatever, however they come up, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. Topically, it's already you already know what it's going to be about, right? Exactly. Right. Right. And um, and you know, and if you absolutely do need the questions, and I I agree with you, Jackie. I tend to 
if they, especially they come to me with an expert on that very topic. If I'm reaching out sort of blindly and we've never connected Mm -hmm. before and you want questions, that's another story. But if you pitch someone, right, you, that person should be prepared to speak on questions as they come up on the very topic that was pitched. But if you absolutely do need questions, okay, fine. Just don't, you know, give it a little breathing room. Like don't ask for them right before you even set up the story, because I'm not in that headspace <laughs> to, to give you questions on the spot. Like usually I make my questions right before the interview. I'll think of all the interviews I've had so far. I'll do background reading. I'll make up my questions and then, you know, head into the interview. So yes, I can send you some if you really need them, but but just don't demand them right away, please. Yeah. 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 And I like to remind clients too that you're not trying to have a gotcha moment, most likely, you know? No. It's all in... It's all in uh, good faith. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. No, that's a very good point. Especially, you know, I write about personal finance. It's not (laughs) controversial. It's we want to get tips for readers and managing their money. So no, I'm not definitely not trying to catch people in a gotcha moments. I'm just looking to hear their expertise. Right. Can I ask you about um, my general strategy with approaching this? Um, Sure. Okay, cool. Because I, I think... I imagine what's happening is maybe the publicist is trying to create like interview notes or some sort of speaking points for their client. Sure. Um, and, but it just doesn't feel very tactful to straight away be like, give me all the questions. What mm-hmm. I do, and maybe this is, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like you said, definitely not before you schedule anything, but once something's scheduled, depending on how much time we have, I tend to write back to the journalist um, or editor, depending on what the segment's about or if it's print, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But generally, say I'm preparing my client for your interview. Mm-hmm. These are the topic. These are the subtopics that I'm going to let him got kind of, or I'm going to tell him to focus on these subtopics as he mm-hmm. prepares. Is there anything that I'm missing? And that, and that can kind of That's be a, nice. more tactful, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, perfect, That's a nice approach. Better than asking questions. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's an, I think that is a nice approach for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I do something similar actually too. I just um, – sometimes I don't ask the journalist that, but I'm going to do that now. Thank you, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes oh, yeah, no I'll problem. Some topics and just to help um, a client feel better about going into the interview and feel confident and all that jazz – I just give them what I think are some key talking points that they can reference during the mm-hmm. interview so that they're not yeah. drawing a blank. Totally <laughs> It's a yeah. very obvious solution, but it always helps the clients feel better and more confident going into it. Oh, yeah, totally. That makes sense. And even if they don't I need them, um... that's okay. <laughs> right, right. It's good I... to have them if they don't need them. That's fine, too. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, on the other end of this, uh, for our listeners, um, I know that clients do generally ask. I've definitely worked for someone that was insistent I would get questions. Um, as a publicist, you are the expert here. You have to, even if it's hard, be direct and straightforward with whoever you're working with and let them know that that's not, that's not a best practice um, mm-hmm. to ask for interview questions in advance. I've definitely, I've done it in the past. I've had some journalists give them to me. It's not that it's like everyone's different, but Mm -hmm. I think if we're going off of journalism best practices, that is not a best practice, right? Oh gosh, I don't know if I want to speak for everyone, but but my my (laughs) general sense is that yes, it is a best practice not to ask if if we're if the understanding is we're tapping that person, we're we're talking about their area of expertise, like we're right, you know. So I yeah, I would say generally it's. 
you know, and yeah. I, and most times people, most, you know, I'm just thinking about the interviews that I have set up. Most times I am not asked. So I'd say that it's, gosh, is it 10%? Is common. it 20? It's not as common to be asked. And then, you know, um, like that, <laughs> the woman who asked for questions, who pitched a source and then asked for questions, even before setting up the interview, that was an outlier. And that's why I sort of, that was kind of a throwaway tweet or little mini rant that ended up getting a lot of engagement. I guess it resonated with people, but um, that is not sort of the, the norm. Most people don't ask for questions. And then if they do, usually I'll say, sure, but just to let you know, I'm probably not going to finalize them till fairly soon before the interview. And yeah. so, so I'm, you know, cause I, I'm not in that headspace. It actually takes me time to kind of ask questions and to really focus on them. So I tend to do that, like I said, soon before the interview. So, you know, I, I, I can send them along if people really want them. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's wow, a really great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 279 likes on that tweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which for me is oh, kind of high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely resonated. <laughs> it's a hot yeah. button topic. Yeah, um, yeah. And we have had a few reporters who are just totally fine with, you know, doing it. You know, mm -hmm. as you said, Elizabeth, it's, I mean, yes, there are like no no's. Mm -hmm. And this is maybe one of them where I would err on the side of caution for sure. But mm -hmm. um, it's funny how just some reporters and journalists are um, sometimes more open to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how some yeah. also, we have talked with journalists in the past before too about whether or not they, you know, do they want to conduct the interview on over the phone? Do they want to conduct mm -hmm. it through email? Um, yeah. And that's, that's always different too. That's interesting. Yeah. That to me is interesting. I guess I'm old school enough that I strongly prefer phone, mm -hmm. but um, what's your experience? How does it, how does it break down with the, the journalists you, you talk to? A mix for me, yeah. especially. Mm -hmm. Um I am, I think I prefer the phone situation as well. Mm -hmm. I feel like it helps build a better relationship. Yeah. Personally. And I notice that with the clients that I work with as well, if they're very highly likely to jump on the phone and be like a good phone interview, mm -hmm. the journalist will come back often, more often than, and I think an email, you know, interview is honestly a little more easy to forget. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I forget Definitely. about emails that I sent yesterday. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, it, but a phone conversation will stick out more in your head. Yeah, so definitely. I love a phone call. I'm not a millennial in that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good mix though. I'd say it's yeah. What about you, Jackie? Um, yeah, I think in general, I want to say, I'm going to throw random, num not random numbers, but kind of like just so you know where my head's at. I think uh, maybe 60% prefer phone. And then oh, interesting. I work with some, I think I work with some broadcast people. They, they love zoom. And okay. then I find that the people who tend to like email interviews tend to be either maybe online media who are like freelancer types. Maybe they have like a high output they need to produce. Sure. That makes sense. Or, or some staff writers that, um, again, like something more like I don't want to name publications, but publications where um, it's you're expected to maybe produce a lot of um, articles uh, sure. in a week. That makes sense. Um, they, yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a. I, I've definitely offered both, and I think in general, like of the caliber of like Barons or the people that I've worked with at similar publications, I feel like phone tends to be like a very favored one, and I like it too. Um, 
for the same reasons that you guys mentioned. I think yeah. the interviews are more interesting too. Yes, that's. I was going to mention that is that you get better quotes. People speak in a more interesting way than they write most of the time. So you'll yeah. get something that's more colorful. And we like to, and if we're, we want, you know, when we want direct quotes, we want lively quotes and, you, and you're going to get that over the phone in a way you don't get over email for sure. That reminds me, um, Britt, if you remember the Natasha episode with the TechCrunch, um, she was with TechCrunch and she interviews a lot of um, like startup CEOs. And she said, always, 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 she would prefer a quick phone, not quick, but like a phone interview to which they weren't overly prepared by a publicist because mm -hmm. the best quotes, the best stories come out of when they're just able to have um, a more natural conversation on the mm -hmm. phone. Um, and like, like you said, it's more interesting, right? Yeah, totally. I think Natasha also mentions um, not wanting a publicist or a PR person on the phone call as well. Oh, yeah, because I know some publicists like to do that. Have you ever encountered that, Elizabeth, where a publicist is also on the line with the um, person that you interview? Oh. Have you ever seen that before? Yes. And again, it's less common. Um, yeah, I, I heard, I've never done it. I, I've been curious about it because I know someone who has done that. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just as soon think that's not a best practice. Although, for the types of stories I'm doing, again, they're they're not super controversial. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not going to object if someone wants to. Like, it's you know, fine. And if <laughs> if, but um, but I would yeah say it's probably not a best practice. Necessary. Yeah. yeah, like some people. Yeah, sometimes people do. In fact, recently I had this. Now that I'm remembering, recently there was like. There were lots of people. It was like a party. There were like two PR people from different, parties, like internal, external, and then the source. <laughs> and I guess part of it was because the PR people were meeting each other for the first time or something. And I was like, and they kind Whoa. of apologized for all being on the call. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, it's like, it's not that big a deal. But I guess, and my, that wouldn't be my number one choice. But it's, you know, when it, if it has to happen that way, it's fine. Oh, you know what? And now that we're talking out loud, my guess would be like, well, what's the strategy behind doing something like that? I wonder if it's to aid them with media coaching a little bit so they could give feedback after the interview oh. to their, um, that might be it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to speak for anybody, but, but that's my yeah. guess. Um, that is yeah. a good guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anybody totally. out there does that, we'll interview you. So please come. Uh, <laughs> Any PRs out there? Because I'm curious about that strategy. I had a more... I worked with someone who had a more traditional p uh, PR background, like worked for a very like top-notch PR firm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. One of those old names that people tend to know. And and I remember that was a strategy she implemented. And I remember telling her like, we don't do that here. But I am curious <laughs> now. I'm like, I should have asked why, you know, mm -hmm. just to know. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's cool. Well, going back to just wrapping up the pitch because I did have that little pivot there, but I mm -hmm. wanted to just wrap that up and just say that Kayleen did a fantastic job with the pitch and we'll be sure to put it in the show notes so that our listeners can read it. I'm pretty sure she'll be okay with that. We'll see. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, just going into <laughs> maybe some general housekeeping questions or continuing with this. Um, I'm curious to know, Elizabeth, do you receive a lot of pitches? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. 
And obviously you receive a lot from Bankrate. They do a Mm -hmm. fantastic job making sure they're constantly keeping um, your inbox updated with new data. I, you know, it's interesting though, because I sometimes get nervous that I'm pitching the same person too often and I've not heard back from them. So I'm just Mm -hmm. annoying. So it makes me feel better to know that you're the type of reporter who actually appreciates that, even if you don't respond or maybe even if you don't work with the data. That was something that stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely don't mind, you know, and I don't respond to every pitch and I wish I could, but Mm -hmm. you know, if I, if I responded thoughtfully to every pitch, that would kind of be my full-time job. I wouldn't have time to do um, everything else. So, um, but if, you know, but I can get, but maybe if, if I don't respond to the one this week, I'll respond to one next week or, or I'll, you know, so I don't mind. And especially if they're in my wheelhouse, like if people are constantly pitching things that are completely outside, you know, like, um, outside my wheelhouse, then, then that's less welcome. But if people are consistently, um, pitching, you know, personal finance topics week after week, that's fine. And maybe I don't, you know, respond to most of them, but that's still okay. And then, you know, sometimes what I do is I'm, you know, some people are very organized with their inboxes and they have subfolders. I am not that person. I just have, I just, you know, keep, I don't delete emails. I just keep them in my inbox and I don't, segment them into any kind of filing system. But what I'll do is like, if I am writing on say a topic where I don't have any go-to people, like the other day it was, um, I was looking for an estate planning person and I don't necessarily have a go-to estate planning person. So I'll search my inbox for estate planning. I'll say, oh, someone pitched me some, a source on estate planning last week and I'll call that person. So it's not, I'm not responding to the pitch that that person necessarily, uh, I'm not responding to their pitch per se, but I am saying, hey, you pitched me an estate planning uh, source, and I'm actually writing on this topic, would that person be available? So that's something I do fairly frequently. So if you are that's in right. my inbox, then I might, you know, call you out of the blue or email you out of the blue. Yes, that's yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, we so, are, I always know that. Out of the blue emails from a yeah. few months ago. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I experiment with you know, maybe you don't have like necessarily one specific angle that an expert, um, let's say on estate planning could speak to. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have quite a few. So, and I haven't pitched this person before. So sometimes I'll draft a pitch that introduces the expert very quickly in the intro mm-hmm. and then says, so-and-so is happy to, or can speak to these types of topics. Here are a few, you know, not angles, but here are a few I'll say topics for lack of a mm-hmm. better word at the moment. Sure. That that person can speak to today or would love or is passionate about speaking about right at this moment. Timely topic, timely topics. Um, and then, you know, sometimes, most of the time, honestly, I don't hear back from the journalists mm-hmm. when I send those pitches. But I have, like you said, months later, received an email from that person. Or sometimes um, some journalists share that information with people who are at that outlet that they work with. Mm-hmm. And I'll hear like mm-hmm. just recently actually somebody from Best Life got in touch with me because I sent a pitch like that to one of his colleagues. Oh cool. He was writing a story on this like very specific topic and sent questions my way in case my client could answer. So I always have nice. faith in those emails. Do you get yeah. those types of emails as well? Sure. I don't think they're helpful, but Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a specific angle. Like I can figure out the angle or I can, or that maybe that'll spark some 
thought, you know, sparked some ideas in me. So yeah, that's totally fine. Okay, cool. Um, Let's see. So kind of going into relationship building, are you Mm -hmm. the type of journalist who appreciates that kind of stuff? Like, liking your tweets or Mm -hmm. chiming in on something you shared on Twitter, uh, sharing your stories on LinkedIn. How do you feel about relationship building? How does that? Yeah. I mean, all of the above, like just engaging on social media. Um, I've been a little less active on Twitter of late, but yeah, that kind of thing or LinkedIn or just, you know, emailing consistently. So I think, yeah, all of those ways are um, good ways to build relationships. And then just ultimately it comes down to you know, when I'm on deadline and I need an expert, if, if you're someone who can, you know, connect me with an expert, a good a person quickly, then I'll come back to you. You know, mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. Like, you know, and I've built relationships with journalists over the years because they are able to, you know, and I don't always write on deadline, but sometimes I need someone in the next hour or two who can t- speak to something. And if you, if I know that you can reliably connect me with people, then I'll come back. I'll definitely come back to you. Be a reliable source. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And sometimes we've talked about this too, Jacqueline and I, but sometimes even if you might not have um, a client available for that source at the moment, like go to your pals who even might have competitors. I mean, it's all about building that relationship at the day. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, if someone goes the extra mile like that to connect me with someone, I will, I will remember for sure. Yeah. And I'll go back to them and yeah. It'll all, the karma will come right back. It will. (laughs) Those are like the best ways of sticking out too, is um, going above and beyond, but not like in a gimmicky way. Like, like meaning like, you know, you are competing with a lot of emails in an inbox, right? And Mm -hmm. people have tips and tricks and they're like, oh, make your subject line, like stick out in some way. But I think, like you said, like you'll remember it when somebody is being like genuinely like a good person. That's a good way to stick out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, you know, send relevant pitches and even, you know, even if I don't follow up on them, I'll keep it in mind that you're someone who has people in my, you know, yeah. in my areas of coverage areas. Expertise. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then just, yeah, like I said, de- deliver on deadline. And yeah, definitely that's the way to, that's the way to keep Make a good uh, impression. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You mentioned when you, oh, go ahead, Jackie. Oh, sorry. Or was that Elizabeth? No, you, Elizabeth. I think it was Elizabeth. Well, I was going to say that the flip side of that. So yes, please deliver on deadline. And conversely, don't pitch someone if they're not available. Like that has happened yeah. where, you know, and you'd kind of surprising. You'd think that if, if you are pitching, you know, I had, and this doesn't happen all the time, but it sticks out negatively when it does, when, you know, a, a firm will pitch a source like so-and-so and I'll say, oh, great. I'm actually writing a story about that this week. Can you please check on so-and-so's availability? And well, so-and-so doesn't have any availability all week. Like, then why did you send that email? <laughs> like, you know, I don't like, understand that. <laughs> so that leaves kind of a bad taste in my mouth. And when that happens, I'm less likely to go back to that. To work with them again. To work with them again. Yeah. You mentioned follow-ups. And we mm-hmm. always love, you mentioned it though, in the context that you follow up. But we always mm-hmm. like to ask how you feel about when journalists I mean, sorry, when PRs follow up with you, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the follow-ups? I think follow-ups are fine. I, I'd say one follow-up is, is probably fine, like the initial email and then a follow-up because, okay. you know, it's it's possible my inbox is crowded and I might not have seen the initial message. So one follow-up is fine. Personally, I'd, 
probably leave it at that. Like maybe I wouldn't do follow-up number two because I probably, by the time you sent two messages, have seen at least one of them and decided, okay, this is not something that's either relevant or it's not something I can jump on right away. And so, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't go beyond two. All right. So we also didn't, we did skip over a question um, that I really did want to ask you as well, Elizabeth. Um, there's, we always like to think about what assets or what types of information mm-hmm. is most helpful to journalists. Um, what do you, what, what do you think about that? Whether it's press releases, additional imagery, data, yeah, I guess for us it's data. Um, yeah, like and and most of my stories don't have uh, accompanying graphics. Actually, that's what I got caught up in last week when I was going to talk to you last week. Is that oh, yeah. that was a story that was going into the magazine, and my stories that are going that go into the print barons do require oftentimes an accompanying graphic that we do need data for. So I was got caught up in that, and so that's um, an area where. I might. Uh, I ended up for that one working with the Bureau of Labor Statistics, like a government agency on inflation data, and that ended up um, being my source. But to the extent that firms, if they have data, or if you know that that is always welcome, and especially if it's something that they can um, you know run numbers or calculations. Maybe if it's not something that everyone can access easily, but if it's something that they can. you know, crunch numbers for us or do certain calculations. Um, That's always welcome. And that's, like I said, kind of a special case scenario. It's not every story that needs it. But if you have a, a, you know, client who is good with that, that's a great, you know, I know a lot of journalists like data and, 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 you know, and like, and oftentimes, or, and like the presentation of that data, like we have an art team that can reproduce charts, but if someone has a cool chart that we can, use rebuild and cite them as the source we like that too oh that's really that's great yeah um i like that you said that you have a team who can basically Mm -hmm. repurpose it because um in the past in my early on in i'd say both of our careers jackie like we had you know infographics were a big thing and Mm -hmm. a lot of thought time and money were spent on how data was visually portrayed yeah um, using a lot of like fun cartoons and all that jazz mm-hmm. colors today um a lot of the data visualizations that i work with are very basic oh interesting yeah, yeah. like just mm-hmm. the charts you know they might be yeah that's like the cool element of it but there's yes really right like cartoons or icons you know mm-hmm. um so i think that's really interesting though to hear that you have a team who would repurpose it so yeah and and certainly we we cite the original person for the um or the original source for the for the data but but yeah they will recreate it sometimes they'll add an interactive component what they ended up doing last week was just using we did um bls data and then they you know inflation numbers and then they added an interactive component but it was fairly basic one was a i think there was a um a pie chart and then there was like a a is it a bar like a horizontal bar chart, you know, mm-hmm. so fairly basic. Yeah. Not a lot of bells and whistles, but just sort of a bare bones. Yeah. Thing. But we, we definitely like not only data, but also data in charts that you can yeah, tell a story, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Graphics. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, speaking of this, I, you popped up on my, uh, on a media list I was building yesterday mm-hmm. and I'm like, 
I was like, I'm going to wait to pitch Elizabeth until I meet her. Uh, <laughs> so you might get a, you'll probably get a pitch from me after this sure. call. Um, <laughs> but it is a retirement data study. Um, I right. wasn't sure. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it, it focuses on migration patterns of where retirees moved in the last year and what their motivations oh, were. But yeah, I think so. Um, there, I wasn't sure if it would be a totally great fit in that we talk about money, but it's not quite the focus of the study, but I'm going to send it to you anyway, just in oh, case. Please. Maybe, Yeah, I guess you, yeah, like you said, it seems like it's fine, even if you don't use the study or the um, pitch, it's still nice to have more publicists that could be helpful in your inbox. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. Reason. All right, cool. Yeah. And I'll I do send it over later. Thank you. Yeah, watch out for that. And sometimes my stories, most of them are, you know, personal finance, but they can veer into the lifestyle realm too. Like I did a story cool. several months back on how um, older adults were traveling again. It was the summer of revenge travel and people were yeah. traveling a ton. So that was, and I did include some, I guess, tips for budgeting for that, but it wasn't the main focus of the story. The main focus of the story was like, um, you know, how people were traveling again. So that, so how people moving in retirement, that could be like a lifestyle thing that I could potentially cover. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good to know. Cause I think sometimes um, publicists have a, a tendency. There's like the other end of it, right? Like there's people who are super aggressive and maybe not so tactful or strategic with who they reach out to. But then mm -hmm. I think there's the flip side of it to where sometimes we can be almost too conservative with who we reach out to. Yeah. Um, sometimes it doesn't have to be the most perfect fit. If there's overlap, maybe it's useful. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we breezed through a lot of these questions. I think we've covered some really helpful information that we've not discussed previously too. And that's always a win-win. Um, Elizabeth, was there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure we put out there for our listeners? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. I don't think so. I think you... Yeah, we're, we're pretty thorough and um, yeah, I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Yeah, we did too. We didn't ask you about your the shout out. I don't know if you have one ready. Sure. Okay, cool. That's yeah. one of my favorite parts of the show. So yeah, okay. Love to shout out. So um, my first shout out is Terry Rooney, CEO and founder of Rooney Partners. He is uh, well known in New York financial circles. He's a wonderful guy. He's been around a long time. He's great at connecting people. So not just journalists with sources, although he's good at that, but he just connects journalists and journalists or someone he knows from somewhere. Oh, like if, awesome. if I were, you know, if I were going to go to Ireland, which is one of my dreams, I have to go one of these days, he would like connect me, I'm sure. He, he would hook me up. He's that kind of guy, you know? Mm -hmm. cool. um, so he's uh, a good, an old friend and um, a good colleague. And um, also would like to shout out the firm Gregory FCA, which I think they're based in um, Pennsylvania. And they have a lot of financial advisors and they're some of my go-tos, um, you know, when I need someone to talk on short notice on bonds or what have you, anything that they're good at, at getting me people on deadline. So that there's, there are people I've approached um, time and time again. And also Sunstar based in the DC area, similar, they have like fund managers and financial advisors and they're a good go-to of mine. Awesome. Wonderful. You came prepared. I love it. I did. <laughs> I did. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much, Elizabeth. This was a ton of fun. I'm so glad I found that tweet <laughs> and we had a chance to speak. Well, likewise, thanks for, thanks for including me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. 
If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram.